It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This is, is the Go Birds Podcast. Go Birds! Go Birds! Hey, hello, it is is the Go Birds podcast presented by Parks Sportsbook and Casino. Elliot Shore Parks, James Seltzer coming your way after a loss, a bummer of a loss and a loss where they fought and uh, and just couldn't get it done. But some, some clear, definitive turning point type plays. We'll dive into it all. But uh, what, what's your takeaway coming out? The Eagles now one, three and one, but, you know, definitely... Could have lost worse, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll be interested to see if people feel that the Go Birds theme song hits different after a moral victory compared to a regular victory. A moral. I didn't think you'd be a moral victory kind of guy. I, I'm not a moral victory kind of guy. And frankly, this team should not be in a place where uh, there should be moral victories. But I have to be honest, I leave that game not feeling terrible about where this Eagles team is at. I mean, record-wise, obviously a loss like this, it just... Uh, highlights what a brutal loss this to one to Washington was and then tying Cincinnati. Like those are games you had to win and it's going to haunt them all year. But I don't think you walk away from that game feeling bad about where the Eagles are. Cause as I've always said, this team goes with Carson and Doug and I thought they were both good today. So we'll, we'll dive into the, the defense. Obviously they're, they're the reason they lost. Talk about Carson Carson talk about the number one receiver, Travis Fulgham. But, uh, yeah, I mean, look, I texted you with like five minutes to go in the game saying I think they're going to win this game. Like, I did not have the feeling. And of- I said, I said, I don't, which is so yeah. funny because we kind of flipped roles from, from where we were early. I know. In, you know, anyway, I know, I know. But uh, I would just say, like, just watching the team, they did not give the impending sense of doom that you had the first like three weeks. And, you know, coming off the uh, win over the Niners and this loss to the Steelers, I think if before the Niners game, I told you they were going to beat the Niners and then score 29 points in a loss to the Steelers, you probably would have taken that. And again, let's get into specifics, but that's just my overall feeling of where things are at. I'm I, one, three and one is not great. And that really matters that that's a record, but 
They're one to know in more vic- moral victories in my book. <laughs> what a softy you've become, Elliot. It's it's well, shocking. I'm just being real, yeah. I mean, no, like, I, I get it. I, Look, I, I get it. I get it. Here, I think, I think, I, I know exactly what you're saying, and. Uh, look, they fought hard today. When it was 31 to 14, I was like, all right, this is absolutely yep. over, like done. And they fought back and they had a real chance. And, you know, we'll get into specifics again, but a couple plays go a different way and it's a different result against, I think, where where I kind of come out of it is, and I agree that it was, it was not a, you know, it was a loss where you could still look at some silver linings and some good things. The record sucks, but, you know, they... The takeaway for me, though, is just that, you know, it, when it all comes down to it, at the end of this thing right now, when you look at this team and, and the division is horrible and they fought and they can build on some things and potentially fight for this division, but ultimately the roster is just not good enough. I mean, that's the failure that I come back to. You look at a team like Pittsburgh across the line, and the reason they won today was they're just better. There's a more talented roster. Like, on a basic level, that's what the the difference of the nine points was. And the Eagles fought and fought and fought, but just made a couple too many mistakes against a better team, against a more talented team. And, you know, uh, so, like, my big takeaway is the roster's not good enough. And, And there's some, again, some good things to talk about, but... My takeaway, again, on the team is the roster's not good enough, but this division sucks, and they made me feel today like they're at least going to fight. Yeah, the, the thing with the defense is, so early on in the game, uh, I mean, they, they come out good, I thought. I thought the defensive line got, got good pressure early on. I mean, they, they forced a punt on the first drive, so when I'm talking early, I'm talking like very early because they proceeded to give up points on the next five drives. So things did spiral out of control quickly, but I haven't thought on the second touchdown drive, the defense made them work for it. Like I I texted you and I said, you know, this defense is legit. Like I just, I test watching the defense. I was like, they're making them work for it. As you just said, the Steelers do have some talented players on that offense. So I don't think stopping the Steelers is easy. Like 38 points is too much to give up in any game, but I don't think the Steelers offense is one that you hold to under like 25 points routinely. I think they're a very good offense. So I thought the defense was actually playing pretty well. But what happened was a couple of things. A, I thought that uh, pass interference call on Darius Slay that gave them ball around the five. I thought that was just a brutal call. A horrendous gave, call. Horrendous very, call. Yes. Very bad call. And I thought that, that that's a call where... I believe that was on third down, or at least it was they, – they were not really like in touchdown range. Or I think they were more in field goal range. Maybe if that doesn't happen, you hold them to less points there. But that that was brutal. But I thought the pass rush really kind of fell off. I mean, on the first drive or two, it looked good. But for the most part – and I'll have to go back and look at the uh, hurry statistics from this one. But for the most part, I thought that Ben Roethlisberger had plenty of time back there in the pocket. And when that happens, I mean, you know, the defense in the secondary, they have guys, but – Darius Slay, I mean, the the Steelers were not afraid of throwing at Darius Slay today. And Darius Slay has been really good this season, but I do think it's like somewhat telling that they came into this game saying, we feel confident in the Chase Claypool-Darius Slay matchup. Like, that's a rookie versus a number one corner. And what they weren't all on uh, Darius Slay, obviously Chase Claypool did his damage from all over, but Darius Slay didn't have a good game today. No, and look, hurt at the end, I think that first pass interference call was was total BS. And granted, the Eagles got one back at the end on the Chase Claypool offensive pass interference. That was a horrible call, too. I thought on the whole, the refs had a really, really uneven, poor showing in this game. 
And yeah. it, it influenced both sides. I think the Eagles got the worst end of it, but but it was a bad showing across the board. Well, 17, uh, that, pen, 17 penalties and, overall. And also, how about how about uh, the the TV, the Fox uh, broadcast, not giving us a replay of whatever the hell yeah. Malik Jackson got flagged for? Like, yep. yeah, Malik Jackson was hot. He was pissed off, and we have no idea why he got a, a penalty, like a, um, uh, you know, a unsportsmanlike or the, conduct. Or so. the Brandon Graham. Uh, yes, that too. On that final drive. Big yeah. penalties that we didn't see the replay of. That's crazy. I don't remember seeing that very often. That'll happen every once in a while, but that is rare. That was BS. That whole drive felt like BS. And then for them to come back and, you know, have that deep shot to Hightower that he misses. You know, Carson gets hit on. It's just a little off. And then for Miles Sanders on third and nine to go 74 yards, and you're just yeah. like, Whoa, like it, it just re-energized the entire team and you felt it. And then they trade touchdowns, a really nice drive on that second touchdown. And then, you know, it kind of slips off heading into the second half, obviously the beginning of the second half. And then they fought back like we talked about. But the defense, like you said, I mean, the offense put up 29 points today. And and yes, look, the the one, if I, I think we all know that Carson Wentz interception was just a horrific interception and a game-changing type of play. Well, let's, but, let's talk about that. Let's uh, talk about that really quick. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Because I think you can throw some blame on Zach Ertz too, and I want to talk about Zach Ertz. So, so what were yeah. your thoughts about that play? And and obviously, it was a massive play in the game. So I actually think that's all on Zach Ertz. Wow, I, I, mean, I like this. Give it to Wentz, me. Wentz had two interceptions today, and overall, the second one was like a punt, yeah, like so, that. Well, you so know? That, that's what I was. And I'm look. I'm a. I, one of my biggest pet peeves is interceptions that are called punts. Like, so I, I get what you're saying. I don't think either of those interceptions are like bad Wentz interceptions. They're the first one. So the first one on Ertz, he gets knocked. So at the very least, that probably should have been a penalty. I didn't really love like the effort from Zach after that. I thought that he kind of was like, there's going to be a flag. And the danger is when you play for a flag and it's not called, like you saw what happened. So I can't really put that one on Carson. And then the second one, I agree. You're, the game's over. You're just throwing it down the field. You got to do what you got to do. So, the, but what surprised me after that interception was, so I think the interception came after a touchdown by the Steelers. And then you throw mm -hmm. the interception and I'm sitting there. I'm like, well, this this game's just, it's over, right? I, I was like, this game I think is everyone over. was. Uh, that was yeah. um, the entirety of Eagles Twitter was like, well, this was fun. Yep. So for them to come out and then go on two drives for touchdowns, 175, 180, that was shocking to me. I like it, I would have bet a lot of money on Parks Casino that they were not going to go on two straight <laughs> touchdown drives after that interception. So I think I that's that, that's maybe one of the reasons I feel more positive about this than, than other people. I thought they They fought, they, man. They fought today. Yeah. They especially the offense fought today. Well, let's get into Zach Ertz. So go ahead. And okay, cuz yeah, cuz I want to let's go from we'll go we'll get to Fulgham in a second cuz that's one of the big reasons they were able to fight, but Zach Ertz, man, like I agree with you. I thought the effort there was weak. I thought the effort on a couple plays was weak and just not clearly not getting open enough, not involved in the offense enough. And just like you said, like across the board, it feels like he has a really bad body language going on, a real bad feel, a bad vibe out there on the field. He just, it doesn't feel like he's involved, like he's, you know, engaged in what's happening. It's a real issue, man. Zach Ertz was invisible today. Yeah. So I'm going to tell you my opinion on this, and you tell me if you think I'm. Um, not putting enough blame on Ertz because I'm open to the possibility that could be the case. But le just let me know where you fall on this. Lay, lay so on when, when I watch Zach Ertz out there, especially today, I can't help but blame the Eagles. Like they set themselves into this. They knew Zach Ertz wanted a new contract. Whether or not 
he deserved it. Like I, I personally, I personally think he did. But they went into this season with a contract dispute on their hands. I can't remember the last time that really happened with the Eagles. I mean, I guess Malcolm Jenkins last year, but outside of that, I mean, they played, they paid uh, Fletcher Cox early, they paid Carson Wentz early. So very rarely have you seen contract disputes kind of uh, be a thing. And the difference was with Malcolm is they were kind of on the same page about what was going on. Ertz and the Eagles are not. And you can see it's impacting Ertz. And whether it should or shouldn't, you can debate that. I mean, there's a human side to it where I'm like, how could it not impact you? But then I also understand the argument of, look, you got to get over it, right? You got to go earn the, the contract. But if they just yeah, paid he's got to go earn the contract for sure. I mean, that's yeah, but just if they what just it is. paid Ertz at the beginning of the year like they they should have, then he. I don't. But think let this me is let me flip it around on you. Let me flip it around on you though. What if like and look the way he's playing right now is making it look smart. And what we saw from Dallas Goddard, I know hurt in the first couple games was like, oh, you know what? Right now. In these games, Dallas Goddard looks like a better football player than Zach Ertz. Like, if they don't want to sign Zach Ertz, to your point, like, the the choice is you can rip them for not trading Ertz before the season. That's something you can rip them for. But if they didn't want to sign Zach Ertz to a long-term deal, if they don't think he's worth the money that he thinks he's worth, then I don't blame them at all for, for this situation other than if you want to say they should have traded him. But you can't mm. say that they should have paid him if they don't think he, they should have paid him. And, and again, the evidence so far this season is saying, hey, he doesn't deserve that type of money, like period. Yeah, and that that's that's where I'm conflicted. Because on one hand, look, like the – it does. You, it doesn't lie. When you watch Eckert this year, he does not look like the same player. Flat out, he doesn't look nope. as athletic. He maybe that's body language, maybe it's not. But he just doesn't look good this year. So on one hand, it's like they made the correct decision by not paying Zach Ertz. But I do think the the contract aspect of this is impacting how poorly he's playing. I just do. You you can't. You know, I'm not going to be able to convince otherwise on that. Now, had they paid Zach Ertz and they're four games, and you know they're six games into the season or whatever they are, and he's looking like this. Then you say, wow, Howie, this is what happens when you pay an older veteran. So I can see both arguments for it. But whatever the reason is, the Zach Ertz thing is is in a bad situation. And today it didn't hurt the offense. They got 29 points. But overall, like, I thought that interception was it was bad. I mean, that was that was on Ertz right there. Ertz got knocked off his spot. He's got to do a better job getting back to the ball there. Well, and again, also to your point, like saying it didn't hurt the offense, like yeah, they got 29 points, but what could they have done if Zach Ertz was playing well? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's like yeah, true. They, got, they got 29 points because Travis Fulgham was a revelation and a, uh, just had a, a otherworldly performance that wasn't expected. But, like, what if Zach Ertz was involved? What if Zach Ertz is giving you yardage? Like, maybe they put up 39 points. You know what I mean? So it's like right. it is frustrating, especially because when – especially when, look, the, la the worst two games Ertz has had so far have been the two games since Goddard's been completely out. Like, what's yeah, that about? What's that about, right? I mean, those are the spots where you expect him to be able to step up and really, and I'm sure that part of it, don't get me wrong, I get it, the defenses are king on him and stuff, but you're the best I mean, player on the team, man. Yeah. You got you to beat that. Like, that's not an excuse. Like, the Eagles were king on George Kittle and the dude had 15 catches. Like, you know? I, yeah, I just, well, one catch on six targets for six yards. I mean, I mean that's a disaster. That's a disaster, yeah. especially, again, when we're talking about John Hightower getting a ton, ton of targets. Travis Fulgham, obviously... We'll talk about him in a sec, but like getting a, a big piece of the offense, like all these guys who are have had one one thousandth the amount of time and work put in together with Carson Wentz, connection with Carson Wentz, are the ones who are getting all this. And and like you have to assume that the and we're not watching the coaches tape yet, but you have to assume that it's because Ertz is not getting open. Ertz is not giving him the opportunity to make plays. Yeah, he's not getting separation. And here's really the stat that says it all. So 
The Eagles are now 1-3-1. and one. Zach Ertz has played in every single game. Travis Fulgham has more receiving yards on the season than Zach Ertz does. Wow, man. Right? Wow. I mean, that's... Wow, dude. Dude, that's in two crazy, games. That's crazy, isn't it? In two games. Yeah. So, right, well, it's not wow. clicking. No. All right. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll obviously continue to follow this as it, uh, you know, kind of moves forward and, and we'll see what Ertz has to say, I'm sure. Do you want to hear something that'll make week. you happy? You know I do. Dak Prescott just threw a pick six. I saw. I was gonna. Yeah, okay. t- I was gonna say yeah. to you, but at least it's fourteen to three Giants. How how hilarious would it be if coming out of this weekend the Eagles were still in first place? Because guess what? And I'm sure. Look, the Cowboys are ju- the Giants are horrible. I have no faith that the Giants will hold this fourteen to three lead that they have in the first quarter. Zero. But just in the the h- hilarious hypothetical world, if the Eagles come out of this weekend in first place, it would be one of the more ridiculous things that's happened in a really really long time. Not just for the Eagles and for us in the NFL, like a one three and one team in first place after the first five weeks of the year, like. I'll bet you that hasn't happened for a really long time. Oh, no way. And not since the Eagles, the Eagles are probably going to be 1-4-1 one, one next week. And could You're still, damn right they are. The Ravens still just keep rolling. Somehow. Yeah. yeah. So. All right, well, let's get to to the reason the Eagles were able to compete on offense there, at least one of the big reasons. Man, Travis Fulgham, let's talk about, look, it's impossible to know just how real it is, obviously, and the fact that, you know, he's bounced around and all that. But sometimes there are players who – are just way better in a game situation and understand defenses and spots and zones. And like, he looked like that kind of guy today. Like he was wide open on a couple of those catches. And he also is someone who, who, you know, like I, I was comparing, I was talking to my wife, Emily about it while we were watching. And like when Nelson Aguilar catches the ball, and I know this is a, he had a big touchdown for the Raiders. When he catches the ball, like it catches him, right? Like he like kind of like, looks the ball into his body with his hands and stuff. Like, Travis Fulgham goes up and snatches the ball with his hands. And I, lo- I love the the aggressive attitude he has as a wide receiver. And he made catches by getting open and running great routes today and also made catches in tough traffic. And obviously that third down catch, you know, a great throw by Wentz, but, like, what a catch by Fulgham yep. in that spot that kept them in the game, essentially. What are your thoughts on what we've seen from Fulgham? And, and obviously, how sustainable is it? So I want Fulgham to play basically every. Oh, oh buddy, I don't. I, yeah, so, buddy, 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 yeah. buddy. There is, in my opinion, he's wide receiver one right now. He's the guy I want to see out there the most. Yeah, and look, the Eagles are going to have a decision to make, right? I mean, there's zero way you can, unless Fulgham gets hurt, you're going you're gonna to have to pick like him, Alshon, Deshaun. I mean, right? Oh, there's you can can't you have imagine? all of them out there, really. Oh my god! So, can you imagine the fan base if they try and put Alshon out there over him? Or oh, whatever? they're go- they're going to. But no, all right, no, no, I won't, I <laughs> oh, won't, come on, I man. won't believe it. Nope, I don't believe it. I won't let it so, happen, Elliot. Here's what impressed me about Fulgham. I thought the point you made about you know the way he catches the ball is true, but he he can get separation. Like that was what was clear today. I mean, you could see the way he there was a there was a play, I forget what down it was. I think it was third down actually. He catches it about a yard or two short of the sticks, and a Steelers defender goes to tackle him and just kind of bounces off of him and he's able to keep going and, and get the first down. I mean, he made legitimate, like legitimate plays today. This was not, you know, two two catches, each go for fifty yards outside of that. It's not that great. Like he against was against a good defense. Against, against a, a very good defense. defense. Against a good against a good secondary. I mean, they couldn't stop him. Like they it wasn't, really couldn't. It was unbelievable. They, At a certain yeah. point, it was like again, again. Yeah. Like the touchdown. Even the the Jonathan Vilma, who had one of the worst games I remember from an announcer. Like he was a disaster. You, but he, yeah, yeah, some rough one. Basically, like he's never seen the Eagles play before. Knew nothing about this team. 
tight moments and obviously a few like misnamings and all that. But uh, he, he commented that moment. He's like, how do you, how is Fulgham this wide open right now? Like he's the only guy on the team making plays and he's like wide open. It was yeah. crazy. Well, two, two things off of Fulgham. First, how is this guy on the practice squad the first I few know. weeks of the season? I know. It's a great like, point, Elliot. It's what we were saying about Greg Ward last year, right? Like the yeah. exact same thing we were saying. When they go on that run and Greg Ward's making all these plays and such an important part of the offense, we're like, where was this guy the first six, eight weeks of the season? Like, certainly could have used this guy. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. It's a great point, Elliot. A great point. And, I mean, he had the game-winning touchdown last week, too. So it isn't really like a one-week thing. I mean, he... You know, he had a great game today, and obviously, again, we touched on last week. So I, I think it can be sustained. I mean, look, Greg Ward last year kind of did this, right, where he came in and played well. He didn't do it to this level that Fulgham has. I mean, Fulgham's game today was, I mean, outside oh, of, like, yeah. Alshon's Super Bowl, like, I can't think of another dominating performance by a receiver in recent years, right? I mean, Alshon had the great game. Like, there have been Bowl. some. Like, there have been some. Like I, I mean, guess like, Deshaun week one I was just about year, to say, Deshaun week one last year. Deshaun had some games back in the day like that. Like, there have been others, but it is certainly, like, you know, what, 10 for 148 or something? Like, 11? Like, it was it was a, a yeah, true blue, a true yeah. blue wide receiver one type of game, the likes of which we do not see very often here in Philadelphia over the last good many of years you know right so this is you ready for the overreaction to travis fulgham at one point i i looked and i'm like this dude reminds me of michael thomas like they're just like <laughs> throwing him the ball throwing him the ball throwing him the ball they both wear number 13 i think they're like Love similarly it. built i'd have to look and see but Love it honestly it. reminded me it reminded me of the time when the tom michael thomas was just killing the eagles in new orleans and i yeah. every time i looked yeah. i'm like wow they're, it's they're, like how is he this open how does this guy keep yeah. getting this open i'm with you it's a good point it, i like that it reminded me of that so i uh I think that the Travis Fulgham thing's here to stay. Look, he's not going to have 10 catches for 152 yards. And and next week against Baltimore, um, that's the real test, right? I Marlon mean, Humphrey like, action. I'm sure you'll see a lot of him now. Yeah, not just that. Now there's two games of tape out there on him. There's definitely one totally. big game of tape. So, you totally. know, they, they, potentially we're talking about the Ravens game planning for Travis Fulgham next week. So that's, you know, that's where this season's gone. But, uh, yeah, I, I obviously you walk away very impressed Uh Press with him. Uh, JJ with the catch today. What do you think of that? Well, here's the funniest thing. Like, J- like it could not have been a more perfect JJ catch in that first and foremost, he catches it, the clock runs out, so it's literally inconsequential. A meaningless stats-only catch yep. that means nothing. And the funniest part is if he had just done what he usually does and dropped it, it would have been better because at least you could have taken a Hail Mary chance with like six seconds left. So it's yeah. like, it's unbelievable. Like he, it was a nice catch, like credit to him. It was a nice catch. Like I get it. You're a receiver. You're not going to not catch it, but it would have actually been better if he dropped it. It's hilarious. It's like, well, the, it's too, it's poetic, Elliot. Well, the other thing too is, so he, he makes the catch and it wasn't an extended celebration. Don't get me wrong, but you get up and you point for the first down, like, Aren't you aware of what it's the like, situation bro, is right it's like, here? Bro, like, what are you doing? You know, it wasn't like it killed a lot of time, but he did. No, they had no chance anyway. Like, as soon as he caught it, they had a 0% chance to line yes, up in time. Agreed. But still, it's like, bro, like, you should catch that and run right to, the, like, whatever. Like, it was just, it was so bad. The whole thing was so bad. And it's it was a bummer. It's just yeah. hilarious. So it really is poetic. Um but look again. I, I think you know to put a bow on Fulgham. I agree. I think I think he's more real than not. I you know I don't I'm I, I'm not saying he's a wide receiver one in the NFL moving forward. But I think he's someone who can be a contributor for you and and certainly certainly 
deserves to start over Alshon or Deshaun or anybody else. See what you got in this guy. Like he is yeah. showing you something. See what you got. Speaking of offensive weapons, like what do I need to do to get more Miles Sanders? Like what do I need for more scheme mm. plays in the passing game? Well, you and I talked about this on the radio show, WIP one to three on Saturdays. Uh, this exact thing where you were like, they need to get Miles Sanders going in the passing game. And they had like want that one play. And it was, he made a, a perfect catch. Like obviously the little like um, seam route over the middle, made the catch and did that sweet little move and ended up getting the first down. And like, where was that Elliot? Where was that uh, dynamic of the game? Because obviously at the 74 yard run and then really unable to get anything going on the ground, only 11 carries. They didn't go to it that much, but nothing like that in the past game. Like we talked about, he's literally your best weapon on offense. Like you got to get it in his hands more. That would be my, I, I don't, I don't have big complaints about Doug today. And we'll get to the, the field goal decision. Cause I'm sure that's going to be something a lot of people talk about, but, but my one complaint is like, do what you got to do to find a way to get the ball into Miles Sanders' hands more. So I, I'm a little torn on that. I, I agree with you on the idea of it. I Look, I thought Miles Sanders today at times looked like a player that was ready to dominate. He's going back home to Pittsburgh, the 74-yard run. Like, I thought he was in the zone. There was even a few plays that didn't go for positive yardage where you look and he's making guys miss. He's missing two, three guys just to get back to the line of scrimmage. So I thought he played very well. He had today... 11 carries and they targeted him. Let me pull this up. Targeted him four times. So 15 kind of like miles. Just not Sanders enough, play. man. Not a, he's got to be well, in the 2025 so, range. He has to be. Well, but they, so, but they ran 57 plays. So he was yes, either. They did not get running, a lot of plays, but right. even still. So 26% man, like, of the plays were involving miles Sanders, but, but I'm not saying that's enough. I'm just saying, I think that because of the low play count, it's a little bit misleading. But the other thing I would say is, they really didn't have success running the ball. You take away the 74-yard run, and I'm not a huge fan of the, like, people used to do this with, with LaShawn McCoy, where he would end up with, you know, 120 yards, but, like, 60 of them came on one run, and they'd be like, well, he blah, 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 right? So I get the don't take away the biggest yard thing, but when you look at it, he had six yards on his other 10 carries. So they really struggled to run block today. I mean, Boston Scott had one carry for three yards. Carson Wentz aren't really rushing attempts. So like they could not get much going on the ground where I do think they could have done more though is it's in the passing, the passing game. game. Yep. Yes. That's my biggest that's complaint. You could have get, you could have got, he that's have my biggest complaint. I got it. Look, Pittsburgh is a great run defense. I think that 74 yard run, on a third and nine, just caught everyone off guard, and Sanders just took it to the house, and it was a great play and a great. He took he got a hole, he took off, and he caught everyone flat footed and was able to make it happen. But I agree, it was hard, you know, hard slopes to try and you know run the ball yeah. against them. So I, I'm okay with that. I just feel like scheme the passing stuff more. That one pass worked. The other targets like were so in, inconsequential. It wasn't like scheming up Sanders getting open in the passing game and and making things happen. But again, I'm not. They scored yeah. 29 points too. So it's I, again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, again, I'm not, this is a, again, I thought I'm not ripping Doug. I just thought like on the whole, if I had to complain about the offense today, which again, I don't have a ton. Um, uh, that's it. Before we get to the Elliott field goal choice, cause we we're talking about Doug, just in general, you mentioned it quickly before, but uh, a little bit more on what you thought of Wentz. It seems like you thought Wentz had a really nice day today. I thought, I thought he did. Yeah. I mean, I think when, when a quarterback has accuracy problems, uh, each one he misses like gets magnified a little, right? So he he he'll miss one or two throws, and it's like, oh, here we go again. But overall, twenty of thirty-five, two hundred fifty-eight yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. But I really don't think either of those are his fault. They're still turnovers, but I don't really think either of those are his fault. So I thought he actually had a pretty nice day, and you know, I thought kind of lost in the Fulgham hype 
was that Wentz was the one getting him the ball, right? I mean, totally. Fogum dominated. Some really nice throws to Fogum, yeah. too. Like, obviously, that third down one was a, a beautiful throw Yep, in a big so, spot. Coming into the game, I think the Eagles were averaging something like 190 yards passing, if that. I mean, they were really struggling to throw the ball. 258 yards today is definitely a step in the right direction. Um, I thought, first of all, the fact he had no no fumbles in the pocket was good. There was one or two plays where uh, he was either brought down or under pressure, and I noticed he had two uh, hands on the ball. So that was good. I saw some improvements in, in him in that way. And I thought he did a nice job passing the ball today. I thought his accuracy overall was pretty good. Um, the John Hightower throw. Definitely should have been caught by Hightower. Looked like he misread it. He don't totally did. He but don't totally you think weird p- receivers keep misreading deep Wentz's deep ball? Yeah, like, I like I don't know if it's weird or or if it's just like the the first one obviously got hit on that one. Like I'm I'm thinking that John, John Hightower does not seem like he's gotten the uh, tracking of it down yet. Like he just doesn't seem like he is a great ball tracker like the only catches he've had have been yeah, on direct short throws or whatever like he just and i know look they've not been perfect but he had more than enough time there to adjust to the point where like at least should have hit his hands i'm not saying he has to catch it but like he missed it by like a foot like that was crazy that was like he had no perception of where the ball was going to fall down like maybe it's that he's so focused on running his route right and this and that that he's not getting to that extra point quick enough or whatever like maybe there are reasons for it but I definitely have not been impressed by it. I, I agree. Look, it wasn't a perfect throw, but you're heaving it to the back of the end zone there. It was close enough where Hightower should have at least been able to make a play on the ball. Yeah, I agree. I just think it's weird that overall it seems like receivers have trouble tracking Wentz's deep ball. Like everyone said Nelson couldn't track a deep ball last year, and then he had a 59-yard touchdown catch today. Like, well, it was so- thrown to him and he ran, but still. Well, okay, like 40 yards of it. I mean, he, he did not run 69 yards. But regardless, my point is, it just is weird to me that it seems like people have even last week, Travis Fulgham said he lost the ball and then it was just such a good throw. It went right to him. Like, it's just weird to me that uh, he's that people have trouble tracking his deep ball. Cause I don't actually think he throws a bad deep ball overall. I mean, but that, that, that probably should have been a catch. Um, so yeah, I can't kill Wentz for that. I think Wentz had his best season of the game. I mean, best game of the season. And that's probably why I don't feel that this is like as much of a doom and gloom loss as others. Like if the Eagles are going to, when the Eagles win and Carson plays well, one of the things people get mad on me about is I'll come and be like, well, Carson wasn't that great. So it's hard to feel great about the win. The flip side of that is if he plays great in a loss, that also impacts how I view things. And this season is going to go as far as the offense takes them. The defense, we've seen Jim Schwartz defense. This is how they do. They'll, they'll give up like over 30 points once every three games. And then there'll be those two games or they'll go on stretches where they dominate. So I actually think the defense could come out next week and play a pretty good game. But what was with Carson, he showed notable signs of improvement. Like, Think of where we were going into that 49ers game. We were talking about whether or not they should bench Carson on national TV. And I think over the last two weeks, he's taken big steps in the right direction. And frankly, that's more important than what the scoreboard says. Like, I care more about what Carson does than what these scores are at this point, just simply because Carson was at such a low point that for him to take any step in the right direction is a big deal. And I thought today was a step in the right direction for him. I agree with you. I agree with you. Again, like... He had some big time answer drives today. And again, still, like, let's not forget that, yes, even though Travis Fulgham all of a sudden is a revelation and all that, like, he's still doing it with a beyond subpar group of weapons out there with him from a wide receiver perspective and an offensive line that held up at times today, probably better than expected considering how good the Steelers' D line is, but was not absolved today of of protecting Carson. There was a lot of pressure in this game, and he's out there with 
a really young, inexperienced offense around him for the most part. Like, other than Jason Kelsey, other than Zach Ertz, who, again, was invisible for him. Like, Lane gets carted off again. Like, like you think about the, the experience level, NFL game experience level of the offense when you when you take Ertz and Kelsey out of the equation. It's it's crazy. I mean, we're talking again about Mylotta, Herbig, Driscoll, uh, Pryor on the line, like barely any, as we know, one game, two yeah. game for those guys. Uh, you know, Sanders, one year of experience, and then the wide receivers, Fulgham, two games. JJ, you know, games here and there. Hightower, how many games this season? Quez, his first game. Like, it really is astounding the lack of NFL experience that is out there on offense. And that's why I started at the top talking so much about the roster and Howie and where I come back to. And I know injuries are a part of it, but they are just really deficient in that area. And and I agree with you. I think what Carson's been able to get out of that group and do under the circumstances, especially after how bad he was those first three games, like, or two and a half games, whatever. Um, I'm with you. I think it's, uh, I I think it's important to see more important than anything. Um, all right, quickly. I I teased it a bunch. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, do you have any thoughts on the defense? I mean, they're they're the reason we, yeah, I was, I was going to get to the defense. So you want, let's do the defense quick and then we'll get to the field goal choice. I, I don't have too many thoughts other than I just think they disappointed today and the D line started out hot, but, but slowed down when you needed it. Obviously, the you know, and, and it was everyone called it out, everyone knows it. But the having Nate Gary on Chase Claypool at the end there on that last touchdown was a all time disastrous play call from a def, from a defensive coordinator, from a defense yeah. like just a, a, a massive mistake. The guy has three touchdowns and a wide receiver on Gary. I mean, it was just awful, it was a horrible play, a horrible decision. And there were just too many times where, like, the first drive of the second half, like, you need to stop there, like. You know, the the after the the Miles Sanders run, give up a touchdown right away there. And then the Eagles got him back and got another, but there were just too many spots where a good and I know the Steelers are a good offense, but a good defense holds in more spots. And I know they got the turnover and I know that, you know, they made a couple plays happen, but on the whole, I was just I was disappointed with the effort in a game where again it didn't play out this way, but I thought it was gonna be a real defensive struggle. I, I expected more from the Eagles D today. I did. It's interesting with the Eagles defense how it feels like the plays that go bad are almost always breakdowns. Like it doesn't feel like today they lost like one-on-one tough battle, tough catches type of thing. Like Claypool was wide open on that play. And I, I just can't get worked up about Nate Gary. Like other people do, and I, I get oh, why. God, but, I hate him. I hate him. But like, I hate I mean, him. I want him off my he, team. A, he stinks. Yeah, He's a linebacker that they that used to be a safety that's making like yeah, three but again, okay, so fine. You know what? Then let's blame Howie again. All right, if yeah, but you, that's, that's fine. my point. Blame Howie then. Like, okay, I don't that, good. Yeah. I do. I'm right. with you. I'm with okay. you. This is Glad. a disaster. Like, yes, of course. I'm very with you. You're right. Like, you, I think what you're trying to say is it's not Nate Gary's fault that the Eagles are asking more of him than he yes. has to offer. That is totally fair. You are correct, but it does suck that he's out there because he is a, a, just an absolute mismatch. Yeah, and I mean, look, Nate Gary is still a professional player, so I don't want to sit here and say like it's not like they put me out there, and it's like, well, what what can he do, you know? Like, so I do, I do get that he has to be better, but you know, like the Chase K- the Chase Claypool play that you mentioned at the end of the game, like a, I don't even know if Gary's supposed to be covering him there, but if he is, then that's on that's on Schwartz. That's on Schwartz. That's on, I agree. That, like, I agree. You can't put Nate Gary on I Chase agree. Claypool. Like, and I get that as a former safety, one of the advantages of him. 
one of Nate Gary's advantages is supposed to be that he's good in coverage. Like that's why you take a safety and move him into a linebacker is because you get those type of components, but he, he just can't do it. So like you can't have him on there on, on Claypool there. You just can't. And that, and that's why when I look at the defense overall, I do blame Schwartz more than I blame kind of like individual out like players. I guess the defensive line could have been better, but you just see certain plays and breakdowns and, Anytime a team goes, I think they were 11 for 15 on third down. Like, oh, that's brutal. a scheme thing. That, that's a yeah. scheme. Yeah, and look, there were some big penalties, the Fletcher Cox offsides, like a few of those type of things. Yep. I absolutely blame Schwartz the most for today, and and you and I both have been big Jim Schwartz defenders, proponents. Call it like you see it. He had a bad day today. There's just no two ways about it. I thought Jalen Mills had a rough day today, you know, kind of flashed a little bit on a, on a bad side. Obviously, the linebackers, though Sean Bradley – Flashing a little bit on the good side. It was nice yes, to see Sean Bradley yes. out there making some plays. I would like to see more of Sean Bradley. I know he's more of a run stopper than a pass guy right now, but I really liked what I did see from out from him and those goal line plays and whatnot. Um, I thought Rodney McLeod played great. I, I think another game where he's just flying around. But just on the whole, like you said, there are just too many uh, breakdowns, too many big plays, and too many third down conversions. That was really the story of the game for the defense is, is all those third down conversions. And it felt like if it was third and four, third and five, it was like an automatic lock, short pass from Ben to one of those guys right over the middle, a little slant pattern. It was going to work every time. Every time it worked. It was unbelievable. <laughs> and the weird thing was the Eagles actually averaged more yards per play than the Steelers did. That is pretty crazy. Right, I mean, yeah. you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have guessed that because it's like the defense you got got ran over all game. But uh, you would not, Elliot. That's a really good point. That's really, I mean, I an mean, interesting point. Like normally, when you look at the box score, you can tell right away why a team won. Like last week, the Niners and the Eagles are pretty even, but the Eagles got three turnovers and they only turned it over once. You look today, uh, Pittsburgh had five more first downs. I mean, they were eleven for fifteen on third down, but the Eagles were ten of fourteen, so they weren't exactly terrible on third down. Uh, Eagles ran. 10 less plays. They averaged more yards per play. They had one more penalty. Um, you know, they, I guess the possession, the, the four, uh, Steelers had it about nine more minutes, but I can't really point to like why they lost this game. It feels like maybe just one or two plays didn't go their way at inopportune moments. And that's kind of it, but I can't, and again, I, I think well, like we said, outplayed. no, I think again, like we said, like this is a, a game that comes down to facing a better roster. And that in the end, like, those extra points are going to end up on the better roster side. Like, I, I think that's really how it played out today. Like, they're better. The Steelers are better. Yeah, they are. And so uh, let me ask you, coming off of these two games, where are you at with this team? Because they beat the Niners. They almost beat the Steelers. You thought they'd win the game. And I think a lot of what you said. Well, let, let's get to that correct, one sec. But... Quickly, quickly, oh, quickly. Sorry, yeah, I, I sorry, just quickly want to talk about the field goal because I do think that's going to be something a lot of people were talking about. Um uh, were you okay with the decision to kick the field goal there? Uh, you know, 57-yarder would have been – Yeah, okay. Cool, cool. Explain. Yeah. Uh, well, I just – I mean, you were down two, right? If I'm not mistaken, mm -hmm. wasn't it two? Down two. And, I mean, it had enough they, – they probably didn't show replay of it, but watching it live, it looked like it went wide more than it was short, right? Agree. It was, like, Agree. barely short. Um, so, yeah, he just missed. I mean, you know, Jake Elliott's made really clutch kicks in the past. Uh, I do believe Jake Elliott has a strong leg, as evident by the fact he almost made that. Doug said after the game that it was well within his range. So you feel confident. I mean, presumably Fit felt good about it. So he missed. You know, it is it is what it is. He missed. But I, I thought it was the right call. The offense was clicking, so I wouldn't have hated going for it. But I thought going – I thought kicking it there was, was the right call. What do you think? So I, in the moment, I wanted them to go for it. I thought they were going to go for it. I was really surprised he kicked it. 
I didn't hate it. Like as they're lining up, I'm like, you know what? Like I would go for it here, but I also understand this. Like this is okay. Um, I, he's a good kicker. It's it's a you know a, a somewhat makeable kick. So I wanted him to go for it, but I'm not gonna kill him for kicking the field goal. I get the logic. I don't think it's a, a horrible decision. Again, Elliot had the leg for it. Um, I think if I had known that the record at at Heinz Field was 53, maybe that yeah. would have just even mentally swayed me away that, you know, and it is a weird place with the wind and all that, but they must have, you know, obviously had a good feel for that, um, those factors and making the decision. But ultimately, um, I'm not going to kill them for it, but I would have gone for it there. Like you said, the offense was moving and, you know, I, I thought they had a real chance to get it. And, and also, you know, you're kind of pushing them back if you don't get it. Whereas starting at the 45, obviously it was a, you know, all, all game felt like the Steelers were starting on the the 45 or whatever, but, um, all right. So well, I, let, actually, let's get... I agree with you that as soon as I heard that it was the longest field goal attempt and right? early, you know, would have been the longest, right? so that did, that did sway me a little. Me and too. The, the offense was moving. The defense was struggling. So had he gone for it, I wouldn't have hated it, but I can only say about what I felt in the moment. And I, if he makes that, obviously no one's questioning it. So yeah, I, and either I way, I think we right both call. agree. You don't punt there. Like, so that, I don't oh, think definitely that was don't question. Punt. Yeah. All right. Um, to your question, and, and I want to hear your answer too, but in terms of where I feel with this team, I feel like, again, and, and as we talk, uh, it is 17-3 Giants right now. Uh, yep. was, oh, and the Cowboys scored, so now 17-9 or about to be 17-10, of course. So I'm sure they'll I, – I, I'm not counting on, on the Giants winning, but it's just more to highlight that I don't think Dallas is that good. I know they're really talented, but yeah, I've just seen nothing to impress me from them. So – I feel like this team's in it in the division just because of the division they're in, but I don't feel very good about them as a team. I think they're they're I think they're a team that is has a has a bad roster that's been made worse, like significantly worse by injuries. And they have a, a good head coach and a good quarterback who are going to, you know, kind of find their way to, to win some games here, especially on times where the defense shows up because there are at least some pieces on that side of the ball. But I just think ultimately this roster is not good enough, and at some point it's it's going to catch up with them, and it could be sooner mm-hmm. rather than later. If, it, if They need Doug and Carson to really to be good. And, and again, they weren't the first three weeks, and I think that's part of the reason why they're in the situation they're in. Yeah, I think that's that's correct. I, the thing that I just keep coming back to, every time I I talk myself into saying like, you know what? The offense played well today. Carson's improving. Those are positives. The Cowboys aren't good. I just go back to the fact that they lost to Washington and tied Cincinnati. And then you look at the rest of their schedule and it's very tough. So I think the Eagles are probably like a six or seven win team. And that might be being generous considering how many games they have left. But they might be the best team in the division still. I know. And they might. I and know. like again, I, I said it before this season. I said it last week. I'll probably say it on every postgame pod. If this season ends with Carson Wentz in a playoff game, it's a success. And I, I still agree think, with you. I agree I with you. I still Elliot. think that's that's where it's at. So um, I don't think they're a very good team. Uh, I kind of I led my post game takes with saying, you know, this is such a classic bad team lost, right? Like the uh, the defense has played well the last two weeks. The offense has its best game of the season, and the defense has its worst game. Like that's what bad teams do, you know. Like next week they'll play the Ravens. The defense will play well. Travis Fulgham will catch one catch for seven yards, and they'll lose like twenty three seventeen. You know, like so they they are a bad team for sure. They are not a good football team. But I think that as long as Carson's playing well, there's still reason for optimism. So that's yeah, kind of and again, I think it's like a historically, historically bad division. Legitimately, at the end of all this, like I think I, I feel very confident right now that the winner of the NFC East will not have a winning record. That's what I think is going to happen. 
Oh, 100%. I'm, yeah. I mean, that's crazy yeah. to say like five weeks in the season. Like we've never said that. Like this is the worst right. that I remember. So, you know, as as sad as it is, that does provide real hope. You know, they can, again, as we're, we're seeing, like they can beat the Cowboys. They can. If they, be, if they win both games against the Cowboys, like whatever else happens, you're in great shape. You know, so they're. Yeah, you, I, I mean, you know, they, they beat the Cowboys twice. They'll win. They're probably going to make them. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. so it's, uh, it's just, a, it's a weird thing. And I agree with you. I think. Because we heard it on our radio show this week, and, and you kind of hear that sentiment sentiment of people being like, oh, we'll just, you know, I'd rather not make the playoffs, get a better draft pick, and, you know, get some people fired, this and that. Like, I absolutely disagree with that. I think yes. that even if you could be the worst division winner in the history of the NFL, you're in the dance, and that's what matters, and you get a shot, and Carson can go try and win a playoff game and, and get those reps. I, I think that's – totally agree with you, the most important thing. Uh, Elliot, any final thoughts before we get out of here? Um – I think that I started the pod with this. I guess I'll end it. Like when, when when Doug talked about the new normal at the Super Bowl parade, you didn't think it would include moral victories. This team has fallen. This team as a as a touchdown underdog in two straight games will probably be a touchdown under, underdog next week. Like they have serious issues for sure. Still feel like today's a moral victory. I can't I can't <laughs> shake that. I just think I think Carson played well. I think Fulgham could be something. Doug looked good. Yeah, you know, I thought his play calling was good. So. I think today is a moral victory, but at one, three and one, it's, you know, I coming into the year was not as high on the Eagles as other people. I thought they'd go eight and eight. I never thought after their first five games, they'd have one win. I, I didn't think it would get to this. So still pretty amazing that even with the moral victory, they're one, three and one. Like that's a level the Eagles have not been at in a long time. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. It's, uh, it's not great. It's not great. No. But again, as it's like out of every time you say something, you got to be like, but at least they're in it. Yeah. <laughs> so at least they're in it. Um, and, you know, and look, we, all, could, we, could, we could be the Falcons own five with Dan Quinn getting fired. Right. I mean, right. You know. um, all right. Uh, we'll be back uh, this week. Uh, of course, uh, Parks Picks show will be coming up later in the week. And uh, we'll look ahead to the Ravens game. Who knows? Maybe we get a miracle at home on Sunday. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Maybe I can talk well, myself I into it this thing. week. By next Saturday at Goodbirds Radio. You'll be saying, you'll be saying, talk yourself into it. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Uh, Until then, uh, rate and review the podcast. We'll read some reviews on the next pod. And, um, of course, uh, 2,000 five-star reviews. We will take the SATs, post our scores, and get made. Yes. So, until next time, he's Elliot M. James. We'll talk to you guys later.